Come on now, let's give it to Jesus. He's the only one worthy. Oh, come on. All across this room, give God praise. Hallelujah. I wonder if someone couldn't just shout hallelujah. Could you shout the name Jesus? Hallelujah, hallelujah. It is my honor to be here tonight. I feel very humbled that I have been asked to preach this first evening. I love this conference. In fact, I've been coming here since the very beginning, the very first one, and it is amazing to see how God has moved so mightily and how it has grown to be such a wonderful influence in the apostolic movement. I salute and acknowledge the WPF Executive Council, the General Council, the Youth Council that have put their trust in me tonight to preach here Also give honor to my home church, First Pentecostal Church. There's a lot of wonderful saints and young people that are here tonight. I love them. Thank you for your prayers, your fasting, your being with me every step of the way. I must also acknowledge my heritage tonight. I understand whose shoulders I'm standing on tonight. It is not because I am some eloquent, powerful speaker, but it's because of a blood-washed heritage of family. I give honor to the memory of my late grandfather, Murray E. Burr, my grandmother, and my other grandfather, the late Bishop A.L. Holmes and Agnes Holmes. I am thankful for this Pentecostal way. I give honor to the memory of my precious mother who has gone on to receive her reward. And I am thankful that my father is here tonight, Sister Johnette. We love them. So thankful they're here tonight. My sister's somewhere here tonight, her girls. I love them. Appreciate you coming. And then the most important people in my life, my precious wife, Mandy, and our children, Benson, Beatrice, and Millie. I love them so very much. I would like to direct your attention to the second book of Kings, Second Kings, chapter number nine. I realize tonight that If I make a mess of it, there are some very capable men who will fill this pulpit after me that I promise you they can bring the word. I'm excited about hearing our friends and fellow ministers, Brother Dykes, Brother Endress, Brother Deeds, Brother Tiller. I look forward to their ministry in this place. I have prayed and sought the Lord that God would direct me to preach His Word tonight. I feel a mandate from heaven and a heavy burden to preach to someone in this room tonight. I would like to read from 2 Kings chapter 9, verse number 30. And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face, and tired her head, and looked out at a window. And as Jehu entered in at that gate, she said, Had Zimri peace, who slew his master? And he lifted up his face to the window, and said, Who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs, and he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down. 
And some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall, on the horses, and he trod under her foot. I would like to ask you to lift your hands with me tonight and go to the Lord in prayer. Could we entreat our God to come in this room and anoint the word of the Lord? God, we love you tonight, God. Oh, God, I believe you tonight. I ask you to move in this place. God, give me a fluency in the Holy Ghost. Pour your spirit in this feeble, earthen vessel, God. Oh, God, I pray you would anoint every young person that's here tonight, God. Everyone that's come tonight, God, let them hear your word. Oh, let their hearts be open to your word tonight, God. More importantly, God, let us respond to your spirit we feel in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I must confess that I'm a pack rat. I wouldn't classify myself as a full-blown hoarder. Now, my wife or my church assistants may, but... I would rather think of myself as an enthusiastic collector. I love collections. I love fountain pens, antiques, books, um, memorabilia. These are the top of the list. And my office closets have a lot more. Hoarding, according to the ADAA, is the persistent difficulty discarding or parting with possessions regardless of their actual value. The behavior usually has a deleterious effect, emotional, physical, social, financial, and even legal. The symptoms and behaviors of a hoarder include the inability to throw away possessions, Severe anxiety when attempting to discard items. Great difficulty categorizing or organizing possessions. Indecision about what to keep or where to put things. Distress, such as feeling overwhelmed or embarrassed by possessions. Suspicion of other people touching your possessions. Obsessive thoughts and actions, fear of running out of an item or needing it in future times, checking the trash for accidentally discarding objects. Functional impairments include loss of living space, social isolation, family or marital discord, financial difficulties and health hazards. Now, I'm sure by now we've all diagnosed ourselves, maybe someone sitting around you tonight, but in our world it is filled with so much junk. It's just filled with junk, with noise. It's all around us. It's everywhere we go. There's just junk. It's easy to become hoarders of negative things that will destroy us. And so tonight, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach for a few moments from this thought. Throw it out. Come on, would you say it with me tonight? Throw it out. Come on, let's do it one more time. The venerable King David, the man who united all of Israel, had faded from the scene of Hebrew history some 135 years before our passage of Scripture tonight. The golden age of Israel under the kingship of Solomon had lost its luster and was now unrecognizably tarnished by division and fragmentation. Two kingdoms, not one, not one united kingdom, but two. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And while the southern kingdom was ruled by the descendants of David, the northern kingdom was less fortunate. 
For it suffered under the evil kingships of backslidden men. Ahab is introduced in the scripture with these words. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. He had the dubious distinction of being the most wicked king over Israel up until his day. And feeling the uncomfortable pressure of the northern kingdom's arch enemy Syria, Ahab thought it would be best to join alliances with a neighboring kingdom. The Sidonians, or we're made more familiar with the other name, Phoenicians. The seafaring people on the Mediterranean coast who boasted of the great cities of Tyre and Sidon. The deal was struck and a treaty was signed and sealed with the marriage of the king's daughter, Jezebel. The daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians. The king of Phoenicia was not only the political leader of his people there, in uh, Sidon, but he was also the high priest of their religion. And as his name would imply, Ethbel reigned over his people both spiritually and politically. Jezebel had grown up steeped in this idolatrous worship of Baal and his female consort, Ashtoreth, Baal was considered to be the god of land and they would say that he controlled its weather and he controlled the increase of the people's crops and even their cattle and Ashtoreth was considered to be the mother of goddess of fertility. So idols of Baal and Ashtoreth stood side by side in their temples and where they worshipped by uh, by there in those temples next to one another, and priests and temple prostitutes would would worship these idols with lewd dancing and acts, and all with the hope of their god and goddess following through and and seeing their example and increasing the productivity of their nation, whether it be agriculture or or the animals or even the offspring of the people. And in times of crisis, such as a famine, they would slash themselves and they would even sacrifice their own children to appease the gods and implore their help. Oh, help us tonight, God. Jezebel was a fanatic she was fanatical about her religion. Her devious desire was to completely eradicate and destroy Yahweh worship from Israel. She and her husband Ahab saw the worship of Yahweh as a political threat to their position. And she was a headstrong, self-willed, domineering woman. And with a moral weakling for a father, husband, she had little trouble getting her way with Ahab. Jezebel encouraged Ahab to build a house for Baal and to build a palace there in Samaria. He also constructed an Ashtoreth that is an idol for the fertility goddess. Then she brought 400 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Ashtoreth from Phoenicia. She housed them in her royal palace in Samaria and fed them from her own table. This evil woman and her acquiescing husband began systematically annihilating the true priests and prophets of Yahweh. Some prophets survived the Holocaust by compromising their convictions and turning into yes men for Ahab. Another group of a hundred were hidden in a cave and they were fed secretly by the servant of Ahab named Obadiah. Elijah stood alone as an outspoken advocate for the worship 
of the one true God. You see, it was Elijah who stood atop Mount Carmel and called down fire on a sacrifice. And that fire consumed the offering and it even consumed the wood and consumed the water that was in the trench. And and finally, 850 prophets of Baal were decimated with one prophet of Israel. And the story continues. Ahab is in battle. And he's struck by an arrow. By the hands of an anonymous skilled marksman. And there in his chariot, he dies. But Jezebel lives 14 more years. 14 more years of spreading her damnable idolatrous worship of Baal. And finally, our story segues to Jehu, the captain of Israel's army, who was to be the instrument of divine discipline in the case of Jezebel. And after slaying King Jehoram, the son of Ahab, Jehu rides to Jezreel. And scripture says when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it and she painted her face, she adorned her head, and she looked out the window to see who was coming. She knew what was about to happen. She knew that she was about to die. But Jezebel had made up in her mind that she was going to die like a queen, arrogant, self-willed and unrepentant to the very end. And as as Jehu rides up to that window, Jezebel looks out of that window and begins to shout abuses at Jehu. But Jehu looks up at her and he calls for some people that were on the Lord's side. And he says, if you're, if you're up there with her, and you're on the Lord's side. What I want you to do is I want you to take Jezebel with her painted face and her arrogant spirit and her evil ways and her idolatrous worship. And I want you to throw her out of the window. I realize I've been methodical, but I want to make sure you know the story. And I've told this story from our Bible for a very specific reason. I feel like God has been dealing with me on two areas, two dimensions of our lives here tonight. I feel like God wants to speak to every young person that's here tonight. I want to address the physical dimension and I want to address the spiritual dimension. There are things in our lives that must be thrown out. Now I realize tonight I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not naive, not dumb. I understand there are people in this room And thank God we're all here together tonight. We're worshiping the one true God. Hallelujah. But I understand there are variations of things we believe. But I'm not necessarily trying to address all of those specific issues tonight. But I will if the Holy Ghost wants me to. But but what I am praying and what I've prayed for the last few months is that God would begin to speak to your spirit as I preach the word of God and would quicken things to your mind that, that you need to throw out in your life. You see, there are some physical things. There are literal physical items that must be discarded if you really want victory. I'm talking about literal things you can get your hands on and toss them out. But there are also 
some spiritual things. That are matters within our hearts and our heads that must be cast out. We got to remember today, tonight that we're living in our stinking rotten flesh. I want you to just take your fingers and pinch your flesh. You're still living in the flesh. And this old flesh does not want you to do the will of God. This flesh wants you to be a hoarder of negative things. This flesh wants you to bring things in your life that will hurt you. But if you want victory and you want to be saved, you've got to rise up, go to the window and throw some things out. You've got to get a hold of your flesh, like my dad says, by the nap of your neck. And you've got to say, flesh, you will not send me to hell. You will not destroy my life. It's imperative that you become radical if you want to be saved. I'm telling you, Jesus, he believed in a radical approach to salvation. He said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot offends you, cut it off. I'm here to tell somebody tonight, you need to get radical. You need to get radical. You need to realize this is real. This is heaven or hell. It's eternal. And whatever you do, you need to say, I'm going to throw some things out. tell you something this isn't some easy greasy religion we're not here tonight to pat one another on the back we're not here to sing warm fuzzy songs and make you feel happy and leave with a smile that's not the purpose of peak the purpose of peak is so young people would connect up with god and would consecrate themselves and dedicate themselves I'm reminded of the story found in Joshua chapter 7. Israel had just won its great victory at Jericho in chapter 6. They had done as God had instructed, marched around the wall. They had obeyed the man of God. And they watched as they shouted, as they played the trumpets. As those walls fell flat. They watched that victory. And no doubt Israel as a nation felt somewhat confident. And very victorious. But I just want to tell you tonight. That the distance between a great victory. And a great defeat. Is only one step. And really, it's a short one at that. That's the reason why you can dance and shout on Sunday night and be in the back seat of a car on Monday night and mess it all up. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just one step, and it's really a short step. One sad truth of reality in our fallen world is that we can be riding high in the clouds of some great spiritual success and in the very next moment we find ourselves in the valley of spiritual failure and we find ourselves in such despair because we've messed it all up. God commanded the people to not take any of the possessions from Jericho. Take nothing Completely destroy everything. Jericho was to be utterly destroyed and left alone. It was to be a monument, if you will, to the one true God of his mighty power and acts. However, Achan, the son of Carmi, from the tribe of Judah, 
took some of the things under the divine ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And Israel goes up in chapter 7 against Ai. They're going to defeat this city-state. But they find themselves completely and totally humiliated in defeat. The defeat of Israel's army at Ai described here as the only defeat recorded in the book of Joshua and the only report of Jews slain in battle. Joshua realizes something's wrong. We're supposed to be victorious. We're God's mighty people. We've done what he says. We've left Jericho alone. But what he finds is there's one man named Achan that saw some things that looked so good. He saw the flashy, beautiful garments of Shinar. He saw the glimmer of the gold and the silver and he just couldn't keep his hands off of it. He just, he saw it there and, and, and maybe no one else was around when he saw it, but, but he saw it and he just could not resist picking it up and taking it back to his tent. Joshua finds out that Achan has done this evil deed. And Achan says, When I saw among the spoils of goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them. And I took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. And it explains why Israel was defeated. In order for Israel to have victory at Ai, Achan, his family, and all the banned possessions of Jericho had to be completely thrown out of the camp of Israel. I want to ask every young person in this room tonight, what things are hindering you from victory? What are the things that are hindering your victory? Could it be evil devices? Could it be the clothing that you're wearing? Could it be worldly amusements that are not pleasing to God? I'm just going to tell you tonight, sometimes we need to take physical inventory of our houses and we just need to get them, get in our houses and just throw stuff out the window. You just need to throw it out. Is it really worth losing the victory? Is it really worth living a life of defeat? Is it really worth jeopardizing your salvation? Why live the elevator experience? Why live the going up one day and plummeting back down the next? Up, down. Why live that way? Why live in defeat? I'm here to tell you tonight that great revival and great revivals that have happened in human history have always come on the backs of men and women who have consecrated themselves. You read about the great revivals. You read about Azusa. They said, we won't even pat our foot 
to the tunes of worldly music. They wanted revival. They wanted a move of God. They were willing to consecrate themselves. They were willing to throw some things out the window. I don't know about you, but my heart is hungry for revival. I want revival in my community. I want revival in my city, in my state, in our nation, and even our world. But it's going to take some young people who will consecrate. It's going to take some young people that will be willing to get some stuff and throw it out. Get rid of it. Let it go. Oh, I know what the critics say. I'm well versed. We don't have Bible for some of the things we do. Some of our apostolic distinctives have been scoffed and and mocked. And maybe we don't have a specific scripture in verse. But I just want to tell you what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. I'm just going to tell you, we've got some traditions in the apostolic movement. They may look ridiculous. The world may laugh and scoff, but I love them. They're special. You can mock it. You can tweet your little tweets. You can post your little post to Facebook. You can do it all you want, but it will never change. It will never change the truth. The truth is we've got to come out from among them. We've got to be separate. If it hurts your feelings, I'm sorry, but not really sorry. You just got to go ahead and understand we're dealing with heaven and hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to be saved. I understand theologians. I understand scholars. And they'll say, well... Your example is irrelevant. It's from the Old Testament. Don't you know we're not under the law? We're not under the Old Testament. Well, let me read to you what Jesus did. Matthew chapter 21. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out He threw some things out. He cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. I've come to tell Pete tonight, it's time to get all your junk and throw it out. Get it out. Get it out. Throw it I'm going to tell you something young people you need to do inventory if you had parents like mine they did it for you yeah let me tell you something I don't care what our world does or what the Pentecostal movement does Skirts still need to be below the knee. And let me just tell you, 
Don't think that because you wear some leggings underneath it and crop it up a little shorter that you're still modest. I'm here to tell some young people tonight, you want revival, you want victory in your home, be a holy people! I'm going to tell you, God set some boundaries. He set some limits. And it, it, it makes me fearful. It hurts me when I see pictures, when I hear of people who are pushing and doing and collecting and, and hoarding and adding all of these ungodly things to their lives and it's weighing them down and they're, 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 they're hoarders. They're, they can't even live a normal life. It creates so much trouble in their life. And I'm just here to tell you tonight the burden of my spirit. I'm not mean-spirited and I hope I'm balanced. But I'm here to tell you tonight God is speaking to this congregation He's trying to tell you there's some things you need to throw out. I heard a powerful statement a while back. It's a preacher said, I am not the Holy Ghost. I'm the preacher. God gives you the Holy Ghost to teach you. And to instruct you. Some of you need to listen to the Holy Ghost. When's the last time you prayed till you spoke in tongues? When's the last time the Holy Ghost said, You shouldn't be wearing that. You shouldn't be going there. You shouldn't be viewing that. Oh, oh, for revival of consecration. The second dimension that I feel led to address tonight, it deals specifically with matters of the inner man, the heart and the head, the internal. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues. That word means starting point or fountainhead of life. The heart is the fountainhead. It's the origin of our motives and our desires. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh just going to tell you tonight, what's in you will eventually come out. I realize we're not swinging from the proverbial chandeliers tonight. But I just believe if we can consecrate tonight, maybe mighty victories can be wrought through the rest of this conference. You see, if we fill ourselves with evil... Evil will manifest itself in our language, in our deeds. This is the reason we are implored in Scripture by the Apostle Paul. In Philippians 4 and 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, I'm going to tell you, that shut down half the internet. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. What are you thinking about? What is your mind dwell about? You know, I just have to tell you tonight, it confounds me that our leaders and the academics of our world fail to see the connection between violence in movies, video games, and music with the acts of violence that are being perpetrated in our world. In my undergraduate work, a long time ago, it's been I'm getting old. 
I, I, I was taking a theory of communication class and my final project, it was a senior project kind of thing. My final project, I decided I was going to show the correlation between the communication that's received via movies, video games, music, all of those things, how it connected with violence. I want to tell you, I could not find any scientific studies. You want to know why? Because they don't want to address it. But I'm going to tell you, there is a connection. And if, if you heard anything about the recent shooting, you heard about one guy saying, this looks like some video game happening. That's what the guy said that was a bystander. If visual stimulation of TV in Hollywood isn't powerful, then why do companies pay millions of dollars for a 30-second advertising spot during the Super Bowl? If it doesn't work, why are they doing it? I'm going to tell you, it does work. And you may be sitting down on me right now, but I'm going to just tell you, I'm still in the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you tonight, there's some things that are going on in our brains because of the things we listen to, watch, and read that are creating evil inside of us. If we ingest evil, if we ingest carnality, we will become carnal and evil. Thank God for the original seven, I think it was, that said, we're going to take a stand against television. I still believe, I still believe what the psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. And I understand it's not on some black box anymore. It may be on your phone or your computer, but if it's wicked, you still don't need to watch it. You still don't need to set it in front of your eyes. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 17. Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out the draught. The net says, don't you understand that whatever goes in your mouth enters the stomach and then is passed out through the sewer? It's a physical lesson. It's a science lesson. What you eat comes out. Yeah. Sorry if you have a problem with that, but that's the truth. That's what Jesus said. And we think that the things we put in our brains don't come out. Why do you think guys come up with crazy hairdos? Because they open up the magazine and they see it. Why do you think they're shootings? Because they see it. They hear it. The first century Jerusalem pastor, James, reasoned to the saints in James 3, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Young people, you can not compartmentalize bitter water and sweet water you can't compartmentalize it you can't put on your Jesus face at church and take it off on Monday it just doesn't work you can't compartmentalize the garbage that's going in your ears from your iPhone or iPod or Android device 
There, there's no way to compartmentalize. There's no way to say, now this part of me is, is Christian and this part of me, well, it's not quite so Christian. You can't compartmentalize it. You can't separate it. You can't put it in one little box. It bleeds over. Sin just has a way. It's, 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 it's described in the Bible as leprosy. It just, it's a disease. It just starts infecting and filling every part and every nook and cranny. And before you know it, you're, you're like a true blown hoarder. And you can't go anywhere. The devil's got you so bound down with all kinds of junk. And First Peter 2, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And that says, so get rid of all evil. Throw out all evil and all deceit and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, and yearn like a newborn infant for pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up to salvation, if you have experienced the Lord's kindness. The writer of Hebrews, he said it like this, lay aside, throw it off, cast it off, Get rid of it. Put off every weight. Now, sin? No, no. Wait. Well, well, you mean, well, my pastor doesn't preach about that. Well, the church across town does it like this. Well, my friends on Instagram, they get to do this. Let me tell you, it's time for some Pentecostals in this building. I realize I'm not preaching the most popular message, but it's the message that God has given me. I've come to tell somebody tonight, tonight's the night. You need to put it off. You need to throw it out. You need to get rid of every weight that's hindering you. And the sin that does so easily beset us. And the music. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Here it goes. Casting down. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity ever thought the obedience of Christ. Come the music. Cast it down. Throw it out. Throw it out. Oh, I would, I would to God tonight. There'd be some J. Hughes. I would to God there'd be a couple guys up in the tower with the evil. Let's see. The preacher's instructing me to throw evil out. The preacher's telling me to get rid of the evil. Are you going to have the courage? Are you going to have the wherewithal, the fortitude? Say, you know what? I'm going to throw some things out. I'm going to throw some things out. I'm going to get rid of some things. I'm going to open up the windows. I'm going to open up the windows. I know it's not popular, but I'm still going to open up the window. 
and I'm going to take the little guts and I'm going to throw them out. I'm going to take games of violence. I'm going to take the dumb stuff on my gaming console. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to throw it out. I'm going to get carnality and I'm going to throw it out the window. I'm going to get rid of a worldly mindset. A mindset that this is old fogey and it's not necessary. I'm going to get rid of a worldly mindset. I'm going to throw it out. I'm going to cast it out. I'm going to I'm going to get apathy lukewarmness Jesus said he'd spit us out if we're lukewarm but before he ever gets an opportunity to spit me out vomit me out I'm going to take apathy lukewarmness it's going I'm chunking it it's out the window not in my life I'm going to take ungodly music filthy vile lyrics that are degrading to women that talk ugly about your mama and talk good about doing all kinds of evil things I'm going to get rid of them I'm going to dump them from my iPod I'm going to get rid of them from my cell phone I'm getting rid of them Oh yeah, here's one. Unholy clothing. I'm going to tell you, God's still looking for a holy people. You need to let your pastor define what's holy for you. And you need to obey it. And if there's things in your home that are ungodly and unholy, you ought to get them tonight. Get them out of your suitcase. Throw them in the garbage. Get rid of them. And that goes for makeup too. Evil devices. Has your cell phone become an evil device? Do you even have social interactions anymore that are normal? Or do you sit around a table and text one another? You're never going to, guys, let me give you a lesson here. Guys, you're never going to find a girl until you get strong enough, bold enough to open up your mouth, reach out a hand, shake your hand, her hand, introduce your name, yourself by your name. Yeah. Has your phone become an evil device? It can be good. The internet can be great. But so many people turn it into an evil device. They can't have healthy marriages. And let me just tell you, young man, if you're addicted to pornography right now, just because you get married will not fix that. I know I've dealt with too many cases. I'm going to tell you something. If my smartphone sends me to hell, I'll be happy to have a flip phone. Oh yeah, here's a big one. Hollywood. Yeah, you know what? This is, see, kids are smart. <laughs> With the advent of YouTube, you can watch a Hollywood movie in 30 second increments. Oh yeah. Are we apostolic? I tell you, Hollywood, it's robbing us. Oh, I know it's not popular. I know they laugh. I don't really care. You want to know something? I see my dad over here. I've watched him build a church preaching against it. And you've come too late to tell me you can't be successful and preach against Hollywood. Hate 
hate. This is real. This is real with young people. Hate. Hate your life. Hate people that abuse you. Hate people that's messed up. Messed with you. It may be an inner battle, but eventually you've got to cast it out. You've got to throw it out. Oh yeah, here's a big one. Prejudices. This is really big in the South. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to go to heaven, hopefully, and you're going to see people that won't look like you. They won't have the same color of skin as you. They won't speak the same language. The church has a collective body. Bitterness, bitterness, bitterness. Time for some young ladies, young men. I'm getting rid of it. I'm almost finished. Lust. You need to open up the window, open it wide. Say, God. Deliver me of lust. Lustful thoughts. Give me the courage to throw it out. Here's a big one for young people. Jealousy. Well, I don't have the same sneakers they have. I don't have the same brand of suit or... If I could just look like that, I'll tell you, you'll end up being anorexic and dying if you try to look like that. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for your pastor. Be thankful for your church. Don't be jealous. Throw it out. Here's one for our generation. Anger. Mad at life. Just pure anger. There's an anger in our world. And some politicians are, I guess, learning how to tap into that anger. I'm going to tell you, it's still not biblical. You've got to get rid of it, young man. You hear me, young man? Get rid of it! And finally tonight, I'm closing. Fear. Fear. Fear of failure. Fear you're not going to make that grade. Fear that you're not going to get accepted into college. Fear. Fear at night. Fear. The angelic host proclaimed to every person they visited the first thing fear not. I'm going to tell you tonight don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. Open the window tonight. Open the window tonight. And throw it out. A burn tonight is for young people. 
I realize I've said some strong things, but I don't regret it. It's time for some young men, some young women, who will rise to the challenge. I will open the window and say tonight, Wednesday night, first night of peak, I've accumulated some junk. I've hoarded up some junk in my life. And tonight's the night I'm going to throw it out. Come on, as they sing. I wonder if every young person can flood this altar area. Come on, lift your hands up. Talk to Jesus. Come on, make that consecration. Dedicate yourself. Get rid of it. Throw it out. Whether it's in the physical realm or the spiritual dimension, it's time tonight. Throw it out. Don't hold back. Don't hold on to anything. Let it all go. Throw it out. Come on. I want you to close your eyes. Raise your hands.